Good morning, everybody. Could be seated for a moment. Um, we have some celebrations this week. Um, Dawson Philibeck's birthday is on the 11th, and he um, has a job where he works Sundays. So um, reach out to him, just tell him you're thinking about him and wish him happy birthday. And then Miss Dixie's birthday is on the 12th. Uh, today is Communion Sunday and also Potluck Sunday. Every kid's favorite Sunday, Connor was dancing down the hallway that it was potluck today. Um, so please plan on staying um, after service for great food and fellowship. Um, even if you didn't bring anything, I always say it, just stay anyway. Um, you could always supplement at home if we don't have enough, but we always do anyway. Um, and then there is no prayer and worship tonight um, just because of potluck. Um, there is precepts Tuesday at 9 a.m. here at the church. And then um, we had a change. Some of the ladies, I told you Tuesday evening, we were gonna do a bridal shower for Kira. Well, some of her family can't get until Wednesday. And we had already um, said we weren't gonna do Wednesday night service. So they asked if there was any way we could move it to Wednesday. So her bridal shower will be Wednesday at 6 p.m. All ladies in the church are welcome to come. Um, they do have a wedding registry on Amazon um, if you're interested in that, but I'm gonna have food and um, I just hope as many ladies as possible can come and just um, support her in that. Um, so again, no Wednesday night Bible studies this week. Um, next Sunday, we have a nursing home service um, at the Knife River Care Center. Um, it'll be at 2.30, so try to join us for that if you can. The last one we did was just awesome, and all the residents, like, it's just so neat to see. Like, they're so excited when people come, um, and we had a good turnout for that. So try to make it for that if you can. Um, we do have the forms you could fill out if you're not um, vaccinated. Um, so we're still planning our chunk or treat. We have been getting some candy in. I was getting a little bit worried because we hadn't gotten any, but I got back from Virginia and there was a huge bag. We got another huge bag and a couple more bags this morning. So if you can donate a bag of candy, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we're just trying to offer a positive alternative to, to Halloween. Um, there is a lot of darkness that is around that day. And so if we could shed any light to the community, that's my hope in doing this. Um, and then Sunday, the 23rd of October, um, it's uh, Youth Pastor Children's Appreciation Sunday. Um, we're gonna take up an offering for Logan and Kira. They are not paid, um, they do it voluntarily. So let's just bless them with a love offering. Um, and then we're asking if anybody um, would help with um, Children's Church on Sundays. Um, right now we have me or myself and Lois and Apple kind of taking turns, but if we could get at least one more, then it just kind of helps that you know one person doesn't have to be out of church more than one Sunday a month. So if you're interested in that, let me know. And then um, Pastor Logan's gonna make an announcement. <laughs> So, as y'all know, uh, Kira and I are getting married this Friday. I'm not panicking, but woohoo. So, this Friday, 4 p.m., y'all are all invited to the ceremony. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have y'all be a part. Um, it's going to be an awesome uh, time, and we would love to have y'all come and stand behind us and support us. We 
love and appreciate each and every single one of you. And uh, we hope to see y'all there um, on our big day. And if I am screaming or panicking that day, just totally, I'm totally calm, cool, and collected. So if I scream, it's just a calm scream. But yeah, we would love to have y'all there. Church, we're going to get ready to move into the communion part of our service. And I just want to ask over the next few minutes that you would honor the Lord the way that he deserves Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, God, as we come to partake of communion, God, we know what it means that Jesus shed his blood and gave his body for the remission of sins. God, that those that had no hope can be washed in that blood, can be saved by that life. God, that the spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in us because of what Christ has done. So, Father, as we prepare our hearts, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us anything at all between us and you, that you would bring it to our minds, God, that we would not take communion uh, flippantly, God, but that, Father, we would remember that the the precious life of Jesus was given for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So, Father, help us as we come to you as we partake of communion, as we remember the Lord's death until he comes, that he came for a reason. God, it is an honor and a privilege to be counted among those that can participate in what we're about to do. Holy Spirit, have your way, I pray. Prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to ask my wife to come. We'll do communion the same way. We'll just line up over here and you're welcome to come through, but uh, we're in no hurry today, so as you're in line and and as you get ready, let the Holy Spirit just work in you. And if there's anything at all that he brings to your mind, just deal with it with the Lord before you come and take communion. Remember that there is forgiveness in Christ, but it's never to be taken lightly. Reading from 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 23, the word of God says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Me eat the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You may drink the cup. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for... for your son, Jesus, for your sacrifice, for what you gave. And I thank you for your life. And I thank you and praise you that you will soon return, that every promise that this scripture holds is true. 
So Father, as we go through the rest of this service, God, as we uh, move from this service into to breaking bread and to fellowshipping together, God, I pray for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit to be in us and amongst us, that you would unite us in love, Father, remembering that we have all been washed in the blood. May you anoint my mouth to preach this message. May you anoint our ears to hear it, our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to finish the... Uh, is it Children's Church? There is Children's Church, I guess, if, if those want to be dismissed. And Logan, can you mute that computer too, please? We're going to finish up our, our stewardship series today. Um, it had originated as a four-part series. It ended up being a five-part series. And so uh, I saved the best for last. We're going to talk about giving. Um, we went over the Word of God. We went over our bodies, our spiritual gifts, and forgiveness. And then this week we'll, we'll, we'll finish it up. And so remember last week I said that there's, there's descriptive or prescriptive scriptures. And so as I preach this, um, just remember that... that I'm not preaching this because you guys do not tithe and because you, do, you guys do not give. You guys are a very, very giving church. It is an honor and a privilege to, uh, to serve at a church that is so generous. And so I thank you right from the get-go from that. So this is not a, a brow-beating sermon. This is not a um, uh, you have to give more. It's, it's simply reminding us that we need to be good stewards. And, and that's what stewardship is, is taking what God has given us and, and doing the right things with it. And so... Um, Tithing and offerings, the, the main difference between tithes and offerings is that, that tithes are not optional, whereas giving is supposed to be a free will offering. And, and both are spoken of in Scripture, but I will say that tithing is never left as an optional choice in the life of a, a believer. Um, a tithe is 10% of something. Uh, in the Old Testament, it could be different things, but for those of us today, it's 10% of, of our income, of what we make. And it's, it's interesting, when you, when you factor in all the Old Testament law and all the Old Testament um, rules and regulations, that the Israelites were actually told, commanded, to give about 23% of their income. And so uh, when we hear today that, that um, tithe is 10%, we actually have it a little bit easier than they did. And so um, I do want to make something clear because there's not a whole lot of, of teaching on, on tithes and things like that, but you cannot tithe 3% of your income. You cannot tithe 5% of your income, and you cannot tithe 8% of your income. Tithe, by definition, has to be 10%. That, that's, that's the minimum that it can be. And so uh, if, if you do not tithe 10%, it cannot connotate, in the biblical sense of the word, a, a tithe. And so from, from this point on, whenever I speak of tithing, it is always going to be 10%. Um, the statistics for, for the church at large today, not this church, but the church at large, uh, is that fewer than 25% of any congregation tithes. And the average tithe that Christians give is around 2.5%. So in a very broad sense, broadly speaking, uh, most Christians do not tithe. And so offerings, on the other hand, are, are free will gifts. It's above and beyond tithe. It's um, in addition to one's tithe. And that's why in Scripture, most of the time that you read uh, of tithes, you're going to read of tithes and offerings because they go hand in hand. They're meant to not be separated. They're meant to be kind of grouped together. And so I'm going to break them down. I want to talk about um, tithing specifically and then um, 
offerings specifically, but there's, there's many today that think that tithing is an Old Testament practice that we don't need to do it as, as New Testament Christians. And, and I personally don't find any validity in that statement. And, and here's why. Every argument that I've ever had from anybody that said we're New Testament Christians, we're not under obligation to tithe, always bring up the law. But tithing did not start with the law. And I think it's important that we understand that. Tithing was put into place and was, was practiced well before the law ever came on the scene. And, and we'll look at that in Genesis 14. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Um, but we're going to start with Genesis 14 and verse 14. And we're going to pick up on a story that, that first introduces tithing in scriptures. So Genesis 14, verse 14. It says, Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shiva, that is, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Kedar Leomar and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, talking about Abram, gave him a tithe of all. And so we can see that, that right here, this is the first introduction of tithing in Scripture. And it starts with Abraham, not with Moses. And so I would, I would challenge you, if you're going to, to take the... the the stance that it's not a New Testament thing to tithe, to, to read your whole New Testament. And, and there's times where Jesus talks to the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says, you do well because you tithe in, all, tithe in all these things. He approved the tithe, but he said, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. He didn't say, listen, stop tithing. You don't have to do that anymore, and then do this. He, he actually approved of their tithing. So um, there is, is a biblical precedent for tithing, and, and tithing is not something that's just done because we have to. There is a spiritual promise and a spiritual uh, idea behind it. And so I want to look at the promise of tithing. And it's, it comes from Malachi chapter 3. And I know this is probably a, a common scripture, but I, I really want us to understand this today. So let's look at it together. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. This is God speaking. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And so we can see that God takes, takes tithing very seriously, and he considers himself to be robbed if people do not bring their tithes in. And, and so we can also see in the scripture, in, in verse 8, where the, that connotation, tithes and offerings, is, is found together. So they, they belong together. And while God does consider himself robbed if, if the tithes and the offerings don't come in, look at what he promises if the tithes and offerings come in. He promises that... that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out for, for you, for us, such blessing that there won't be room to hold it. 
And so we don't give to get, but there is a spiritual principle behind the fact that if we honor God the way that we're supposed to, he does in turn bless. And, and so he also says, and, and this is something that I, I think we really need to, to heavily consider, because you and I rebuking the devil may not do a whole lot of good. But Jesus, God, rebuking the devourer, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So he's, he's doing it on our behalf, and he says, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And earlier he says, uh, try me now on this, which is basically saying, test me now on this. It's, it's God saying, if you don't believe me, try it and see. And there's not very many times in Scripture that God gives that to people. And, and the, the thing about it is that when we look at, at all these promises from God, there's a strong spiritual tie to tithes and offerings. And when we, when we choose not to tithe, we're literally telling the Lord that we can do more with 100% of what we make than he can do with 10%. And church, that's a pretty bold claim for people that can't even command their hearts to beat or their, or their lungs to be there. It, it's putting us in a place where we know better than God. And in case you think I'm up here and I, I, I don't understand tithing, when I first started in ministry, we, we were faith-based. We had to raise our own funds. And so I went from having a construction job where I made really good money to having a job where I, don't know, I didn't know if I was going to get paid or not. And so if you've never had to pray your funds in, that's a lesson in humility. And then if you've ever had to make the decisions between paying your bills or paying your tithe, it's also a lesson in humility. And I cannot remember, uh, sorry, I cannot tell you that I, I struggled with that more than once. And there was one time in specific that I remember um, I had this, this car and I had a car payment. And it was coming due and I had just enough in my, in my account to pay my car payment or to pay my tithes. And if I paid my tithes, I wouldn't be able to pay my car payment. And so naturally, I just figured I'm going to pay my car payment and I'll make up my tithes sometime later. And um, I was talking to my parents because they were my bosses and my pastors and all that stuff. And uh, they just said, what do you think you should do? Honestly, not, not, not what does your flesh tell you to do, but what do you think from a biblical standard you should do? And I, I knew the answer already. And so I, I chose to tithe. And the day that my car payment was due, I'm looking at my bank account. I don't have money in there to pay my car payment. Uh, I believe in paying your bills on time. I believe that as Christians, we should be keepers of our word. So it was, it was more than just, a, oh, the bank will, will get it and understand. Try walking to the bank and tell them you can't make your car payment because you paid your tithe. They're not the most understanding people. And so I'm sitting there and, and I, I, I was so overwhelmed because I, I was just freaking out about that. And I kid you not, I went out and checked the mail. The mail came to where I lived about 1130. And I walked out and checked the mail and there's an envelope with my name on it. And so I opened it up. And in that envelope is a free will offering from somebody I have never met, from somewhere I have never been, for the exact down to the penny of my car payment. Exactly. So imagine the faith it takes to write somebody a $200 check. Imagine the faith it takes to write somebody a $327.13 check. Right? There's a big difference. And so that's how I began my journey with understanding that, that I don't give tithes because I have it. I give tithes because God deserves it. And so it, it's, it's understanding that it's God himself that has allowed me to work. It's God himself that has allowed me to breathe. It's God himself that has allowed me everything that I have in my life. And that 
as a tribute, as an honor, as, as a responsibility, as obedience to him, that's where my tithe comes from. And so I encourage you to, to strongly uh, consider that if, if you're not paying tithes. And, and as far as giving goes, and I, I know, listen, church, I, I don't want to be up here preaching on giving and offerings and tithes. It, it's not anybody's favorite. Um, there's no way to preach about it without probably offending somebody. It's just the, the world that we live in. And so I don't want to be preaching this, but I also care about if we're good stewards or not. And because I do have to give an, uh, an account to God for your souls, I have to preach what's in the Bible. And because I have to preach what's in the Bible, it includes a lot of things nobody wants to talk about. There's a lot more. We could, you know, we got a few Sundays before the year's out, we could start a series on things we don't like to talk about and just finish the year strong. <laughs> you guys make a list, put it in, in my office, and, and we'll go there. But, um, and so again, I want to reiterate, I'm not preaching this to get more money. You, this church is, every time a need is brought forth, this church rises to meet it. Every time. There's not been one time that a need has been brought forth and the church has not risen to the occasion. So I'm not preaching this to beat you over the head. I'm just preaching this as a reminder of what good stewards are. So as we switch into giving, remember that, that giving and, and tithes are connected, but they're separate. Giving is, is above and beyond tithes. It's a free will offering it's one that we bring to the Lord out of, the, out of just the abundance of our heart. In Matthew 6, 24, we'll start us off. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is uh, Aramaic, and it literally means riches. So you cannot serve God and riches. And for anybody that has ever chased the riches, you know that you cannot do both somewhere at some point in time there's going to be a compromise in your spirit uh, where you have to go against what God says in order to pursue what the world offers. There, there's that thing there. And, and so what this is not saying is you cannot work, you cannot provide for your family, you cannot, it's not saying that. It's saying that if you chase riches all your life, you're always going to be chasing it, you're always going to be disappointed, you're never going to get there. And you can't serve God properly doing so. And so um, it, it helps to remind us that there is a relationship with God that we have that concerns money. And I'm sure that we've all heard the saying that the, the more you have, the more you spend. Um, it's absolutely true. And so giving above and beyond uh, tithing helps us to not fall into that trap. It keeps us from falling into that, uh, I got to keep, 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 keep. When, when you give and when you give out of generosity of your heart, it, it keeps you in a spiritual uh, direction that is really, really good and combats a lot of different things. Um, this scripture that we just read is found in the context of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is considered the greatest sermon ever given. And so in this sermon, Jesus is exhorting his followers on what the Christian life, the Christian ideal looks like, how you're supposed to live, what, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and so he deals with three things in this chapter, and they are fasting, praying, and money. And I think we can all agree that as Christians, we should fast. Because in this chapter, he doesn't say if you fast, he says when you fast, Right? So it's, it's, it's already a, a God-understood principle that his people will fast. Praying. Where would we be in our Christian life if we didn't pray? Right? Would we even be people that can honestly say we, we love the Lord? And so we know that, that fasting is important and praying is important. And again, he says not if you pray, but when you pray, pray this. And then he moves it into to finances. And, and so he, said, he talks about giving. And so it's not if you give, it's when you give. Those three things. Giving, fasting, and praying are all part of chapter 6. 
all found in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, all of them are absolutely crucial in a Christian's life. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, we read the following, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And so God does not want us to give out of compulsion or because our pastor tells us that we have to. Uh, he wants us to give out of the blessings that we've received and out of the, what he has provided for us. And, and to do so cheerfully, I, uh, I've always heard stories of, of the old guy that always used to walk up and put his money in the offering and then turn around and scowl at everybody like he had to do it. That's probably not a cheerful giver. But then I've heard stories of people that, that give secretly and they're, they're so overwhelmed on the inside of the ability to do something for people. And so uh, giving cheerfully is a, is a spiritual practice and something that we need to, to invest in. Um, as I said before, we don't give to get. If you give to get, it's a wrong motive. It, it, it's wrong heart stands before God and it would be considered sinful if that's why you're giving. But there's an understanding in Scripture, and that's that when we give, that God himself will reward us. And that's in Matthew 6, 3-4. It says, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And so giving in secret means that you get the benefit of the good deed without the public acknowledgement of that good deed. In church, we live in a day and age where it's all about public acknowledgement. People do things to get acknowledged by the public. Uh, Christians are not meant to be that way. And so when we, when we do this this way and we don't take credit for it and we don't receive credit for it, it allows for God to reward us without us uh, getting the credit and with us instead being humble and dependent upon him. The Bible says, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And so do it out of a heart that, that is not begrudging, that is cheerful, and maybe you start out some, something simple. Just one of the, the things that I love, and it's happened to me a couple times, is you go through a coffee line or, or something, and you pull up and you order your coffee, and they say, oh, it's been paid for. The car in front of you got it. Have a good day. I, no matter what day I'm having, that picks it up. So maybe start small. I will say, you never know who's going to be behind you, so, so think about this. And this is going to sound very counterintuitive, and it's as a joke. But when we had uh, 12 children in our home, there was 14 of us that pulled up in a van and went through McDonald's, and it was a hefty amount. And so if somebody would have said, I'm going to pay it forward, I'm going to pay for those two, they probably would have got more than they bargained for. But I'm just saying, if God tells you to do that, go ahead and do it. So just uh, think of ways that you can encourage people. It doesn't have to be dropping thousands of dollars into somebody's mailbox. It can just be something small. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely certain, and I haven't talked to Lois about this, so if, if I overstep my bounds, I'm sorry. If you go to the coffee stop and say, I want to pay for the person behind me's coffee, and tell them Jesus loves them, I think she would do it. I think so. I'm pretty sure. But just find ways to do that. Um, if you see uh, an older couple out for, for lunch, ask the waitress if you can grab their ticket. There's little things you can do that just bless people that don't have to be announced uh, to anybody that nobody has to know about, that it's just going to be you and your husband or you and your wife or, or somebody that, that, that can know about it, bless people. And make sure you tell them that Jesus loves them. 
We live in a day and age where so many people feel like they aren't even seen. It's a really good way to show them that not only are they seen, but that somebody loves them and that somebody is Jesus. Um, I want to go over some statistics just so that you can be aware of, of, of what they are. And again, I'm not, I'm not sharing this. I, I'm, <laughs> I praise God that Prairie View does not meet these statistics because it would be a whole different story. But just uh, here's some of these statistics as we get ready to close. I normally have a long sermon on potluck, so for those of you that plan to get out long, I apologize. It may not be as long as it's supposed to be. It says the average weekly giving amount per churchgoer is $17 per week. This comes out to $73.67 a month, or $884 a year. Less than 5% of churchgoers, from a national perspective, tithe. 17% of adults claim to tithe, while 3% actually do so. 16% of born-again Christians do not tithe or give offerings to their church. Uh, giving to churches is down almost 50% since 1990. On average, Christians give 2.5% what they consider tithes and giving combined to their church on a yearly basis. These next two blew me away. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. It says the families that make uh, $75,000 or more annually, only 1% tithe. And then of families that made 20000 or less annually, which is poverty level, by far poverty level, 8% tithed. I, that, I just... It says, on average, income has gone up for families 9 to 10 times in the last 20 years, while giving has gone down 50% in the same amount of time. 33% of U.S.-born Christians say it is impossible for them to get ahead in life because of the, of the financial debt that they have incurred. And so I want to tell you, if you or your family is in financial trouble, don't hide that. Come, set up a meeting with me. I, I don't have all the financial answers. I'm not a huge financial guru. But there are things that we can begin to do and do together to help you not be in that situation. I, if I can encourage each and every person here, get out of debt. Drive the less fancy car. Have the... the the house you need and not the house you want. Do whatever is necessary to not have debt because it will constrict you and restrict you and it will bind you and it is, it is not awesome to owe everyone for everything. So if you, uh, if you don't know what to do and, and if there's enough interest, we can get a Dave Ramsey guy in here. We can, we can do something like that. But if you are in financial trouble, there's no shame in asking for help. And I promise you, I, I promise you, if you come to me and set up a meeting, it will stay confidential. Nobody will know about it. But don't stay in there if that's you. There is help and there is help to be had. And so money and tithing and giving, all of this can be overwhelming to hear about and to talk about. It can be uncomfortable to talk about. It can be feel like you, you walked into church and now this huge weight's been put on you. And, and none of that is the point of this sermon. None of that is the point of talking about money and tithing and giving, and, and I, I don't, I, I purposely try not to um, bring a bunch of needs before this church because you guys do meet them so well, and I don't want you to ever feel overburdened. But I want to say that those statistics that we read, there are churches that deal with those statistics on a weekly basis. Prairie View does not. And so again, from the, from the bottom of my heart, as your pastor, I want to thank each and every one of you for your giving, for your generosity, for, for meeting the needs. It is, it's a very awesome thing when 
uh, a need is brought forth. And sometimes, sometimes we don't have time to announce it weeks in advance. Sometimes it's just I get up and I say, listen, we got this need and, and, and here's what's going on. And you guys rise to the occasion. And that, that doesn't come from a heart that's just a good heart. That comes from a changed heart, one that God has control of, one that, you know, money, uh, it kind of tells where you sit with the Lord if you trust him or if you don't. And so when, when you give so generously, it speaks highly of your hearts towards God. And I thank you, and I honor you for that. Uh, as we uh, get ready to close, I would just ask that you stand with me. Heavenly Father, God, as we come before you, Father, I, I ask that you would take this stewardship series, everything that we've been over, God, from the, the, the Word of God to our bodies, to spiritual gifts, to forgiveness, to, to our giving. And that, God, we would seek in all these areas, if we fall short in any of them, to, to work with you towards obedience to what your Word requires, to honor you with our lives, with our time, with our finances. Father, I thank you for prayer of you. I thank you for each and every person that's here. God, for those that are gone. God, I do pray that you would bless them for how generous they have been. God, I thank you that they meet the needs that are brought before them and they do so without grumbling or complaining. Father, I thank you for that. Help us, Father, as we walk this journey together to go closer together to each other and closer together to you. And may all that we do be done for your glory and for your honor. It's in the precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen.